Welcome to the Resurrection People podcast with Preston Sharp, pastor of Sacrament Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and curator of The Art of Preaching. Each week, we look at three readings from the Bible, drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. Find more at theartofpreaching.substack.com. Welcome back to the Resurrection People podcast. Today is Sunday, and that means it is time for our Sunday benediction, where we look back on the readings for the week. This is the first Sunday of a new year in the church calendar, the first Sunday of Advent. And so I thought that I would take just a few minutes today and talk a little bit about Advent, some reflections on what this season really means. We live in a world that's oriented towards something called, quote, the Christmas season, (laughs) which although it seems to begin earlier and earlier, it usually begins sometime after Thanksgiving. The, quote, Christmas season is characterized by holiday shopping, Christmas lights appearing on roofs, trees in living rooms, holiday movies, and peppermint-flavored drinks. Now, this form of the Christmas season is driven mostly by commercial interests. And really, there's nothing wrong with this form of celebrating. I am neither a Scrooge nor a fundamentalist. (laughs) But it is important to point out that it is quite different from the Christian season of Advent. In fact, the church calendar is a little different and is actually quite frustrating if we just want to celebrate Christmas the way our culture does. Advent is not, quote, the Christmas season. (laughs) As uh, the Reverend Fleming Rutledge is known for saying, Advent begins in the dark. Advent is about a broken world. A longing world standing on its tiptoes, looking for signs of hope, straining to see the light in the midst of darkness. Advent is about anticipation. It is anticipation of Christ's first coming, standing with Israel and longing for the Messiah, shouting, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Advent is also the anticipation of Christ's second coming. As a weary world, we understand that God has fully come in Jesus, and yet we do not see his kingdom in fullness. We experience profound brokenness and darkness. We need God's restorative judgment. And Advent also has a third dimension. We anticipate the work of God in our lives today. So we look back on Christ's first coming, we look ahead to Christ's second coming, and we recognize that God shows up. He is the one who arrives. He desires to be with us. Therefore, there is a sense in which we are anticipating his work in our hearts here and now, in the sacraments, in the least of these, in surprising ways. We can sit and anticipate the work of God in our midst today. So we sit in this season of Advent for four weeks, and then, beginning on Christmas Day, the church enters the season of Christmas. It is a 12-day celebration of the reality that God is with us. Now, if we're honest, this feels really strange to celebrate this way. In a world where the Christmas season, I should say, quote, the Christmas season, has been so shaped by consumerism, we are trained to just hustle really hard, to get all the shopping done, to put up the decorations, and wait for the day. Then, on the 26th, it's over. In the Christian calendar, though, we actually take 12 days to feast and celebrate God with us. Advent is about anticipation. Christmas is about resting and celebrating. 
So much of the Bible is lived in an Advent space. N.T. Wright says that you can cut Christmas out of the Bible and you lose three chapters. In fact, the Christian doctrine of the Incarnation does not depend on these three chapters. Paul makes that clear. But try cutting Advent and you lose half the Old Testament and most of the New. Why? Because so much of the Christian life is lived in anticipation. In this season, we might ask, what postures does this observance of Advent lead us towards? What does this do in our lives and in the world? What is our source of hope? What are the things in our lives that may stand in the way of us seeing Jesus as our true hope? Some of these may be good things, but they're just not the ultimate point. This past Friday, or actually two Fridays ago, was Black Friday. Shane Claiborne summed up this day, On Thanksgiving, we give thanks for all the things we have, and the next day we trample each other trying to get more. In the midst of such a world, my friend Ian Simpkins reminds us, you are not one purchase away from happiness. In our Old Testament reading, Isaiah 64, 1-9, we hear the good news that we need God. We need a rending of the heavens. So often we experience the pain of this world and we know it is not as it should be. Even our good deeds are done with mixed and often selfish motives. Our good deeds alone will not be enough to fix things. Our final rest is found only in God. Like a potter who shapes the clay with warm water, we are shaped to live into our baptismal identity. In our epistle reading, 1 Corinthians 1, 3-9, Paul reminds the church of who they are. There will be a time in the letter where he will actually call out their behavior to address it head on, but here at the beginning, he simply reminds them of what God has given them. They have everything they need. In our gospel reading, Mark 13, 24-37, Jesus tells of a future day which will be nothing short of apocalyptic. Sun darkened, moon falling, stars falling, and the heavens shaken. It is likely that Jesus is pointing his disciples to the day when the temple will be destroyed. Because of the significance of the temple in their midst, its loss might as well have been the end of all things. Because it was a microcosm of heaven and earth itself, the loss of the temple would have been experienced as the loss of the whole world. But the loss of the temple will reveal that though it was God's gift, It could not itself be trusted. Only God can be trusted. Even when those things which feel ultimate are gone, the words of Jesus, of course, words to us feel like something fleeting, but no, the words of Jesus will not pass away. For those of us facing all sorts of interruptions, our calling is to allow this time to be a moment of recognition. I can't trust in any of that. God is my hope. Of course, God doesn't bring those difficult circumstances on us. No, God doesn't bring that, the pain in the the midst of all of that. No, but those things often just show us that there are things, even good things, that can't ultimately be trusted. We live in a world now that's in incredible turmoil. Two brutal wars, a polarized government, two very disliked presidential candidates, I know it's pretty popular among Christians to look at all the brokenness in our world and conclude all this turmoil means Jesus is coming back soon. It's kind of a funny thing that we look at all the bad stuff and we think that that means Jesus is coming. 
Now, it's possible, of course, but remember when Jesus returns, it will be a beautiful thing. The brokenness in our world is a sign we still long for this world to be made fully right. Those in recovery, whether it's AA or NA or whatever, know that unfortunately it's often only when we come to the end of our rope that we turn to God. Friends and family can't make an addict change until that person realizes the fruitlessness and pain of their addiction. All the things in our world will one day cease. All the culture wars will one day cease. Our financial world will be unable to stand in the end. Additionally, the approval of those around us will not ultimately matter in the end. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter at all. Even though some of our cultural conversations are silly, some of them are important, and they particularly impact the most vulnerable in our midst. But we still must ask, what are we anticipating? What are we longing for? What do we need? Although there was a strong sense of anticipation in the world leading up to the coming of Jesus, many of the messianic expectations were fruitless. Many who followed Jesus anticipated a Messiah who would be a conquering warrior, defeating their enemies. Some looked for a Messiah to affirm their plans and expectations. Jesus proved to be much better than all of their expectations. Are we willing to allow Jesus to challenge our expectations? What if the world doesn't look exactly how we expected it to? What if God does not intervene in the way or the time or the place that we thought that he would? Can we still trust him? Can we still anticipate the good? Paul says that three things will remain in God's new world, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words are going to last. So there are things that will last into God's new world. Whatever is attached to Jesus. We are not to look at the destruction of our world and sit on our hands. Expectation of Advent doesn't mean we just sit around and wait. We're to live what we hope for, to be the change. By our actions and our lives, we anticipate his coming. We live that future world right now. May we be a people of hope, not a superficial hope where we long for a fulfillment to our earthly expectations, a deeper hope, a hope that recognizes the darkness and filthiness of our world and our lives, and yet knows that God has always been the one who shows up. Thanks for listening to the Resurrection People podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review to help us get the word out. You can hear full sermons at sacramentchurch.com and find out more at theartofpreaching.substack.com.